Um, but you ought to see us together. It, uh, yeah, it's a whole, yeah, it, well, you ought to see us together. It's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, though, for the most part. Uh, unless, unless, unless we're fighting with each other, then it ain't no fun. And, uh, but, all right, uh, go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Um, we're going to finish up where we started a few weeks ago, um, Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to finish up where we started at a few weeks ago, and uh, we're going to be in verse 23 is where we're going to start at. And, and those of you that don't know, we had three, uh, three points that we started with, and we'll go back over them. We'll hit them again uh, real quick, and then we'll get to the last three because we've got to get done to, we got to make sure we get done in time to, uh, we're going to take a special offering at the end of the church uh, for Dylan and Tori. Um, a couple of things, are, are Miss Candace, did we get that flyer in by chance, the one I sent you last night? Okay, um, so we're, there, there's a Boston butt sale. I don't know, is it back there, Charlie? Uh, that flyer can, it, it don't matter. If you if you find it, you find it. If you don't, you don't. But uh, Grace Baptist Church, one of the deacons called me yesterday. They're wanting to do a Boston butt sale for Dylan and Tori uh, to go towards the medical expenses. And uh, called and asked if you want to be a part of that. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sure. We'd, we'd love to do anything we could uh, to be able to help them. I think what we're going to do is we're going to run the Boston butt sale till the end of the month. Um, so November the 1st, I think, is the, the deadline, and I think November the 10th or the 11th will be the pickup days for the Boston Butts. I think it's going to be from that place in, um, or getting them from that place in Ackworth, uh, I, I think it's Ziegler's or something like that. But it's a, it's a really, really good place. So we're going to do that um, for them. Uh, we're going to take up an offering uh, for them this morning. Um, they're still in. They're still in. Uh, I'm going up to see them uh, tonight, and um, so I'm I'm really really looking forward to that. I've got to FaceTime him a couple times, and uh, and he is uh, he is a mess right now as far as just man. He's just saying whatever he wants to say, and I, hey, this is the time to do it. Uh, if you're going to say whatever you want to say right now, is the time to do it. And because uh, you can get away with it, uh, and, and and those of you who know Dylan, it ain't like that normally. Uh, he's he's really laid back, and uh, but he's saying, I mean, I, I think he sent the nurses out of his room the other day or, or, or something. Uh, maybe his sister. Or so I, I don't remember exactly how that whole thing went down, but it was to the tune. Just go, just just, and that ain't Dylan. Uh, you know, if nothing else, he hey. Please don't come back here. Now that's more Dylan's speed, but um, so he's. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to going and, and seeing him and, and visiting with the family. And uh, so we're going to do that this afternoon. Stay the night. Come back tomorrow. And so just pray uh, that we'll have a, a good time ministering to them. And, and man, I, dude, I'm just extremely grateful uh, for how God has blessed this whole thing. I, I was. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I was I was the first one that was a really nervous uh, about what all was going to happen and uh, how it was going down. <clears throat> and when they took that tube out of his throat, I knew that we had we had made it to a different level. So he's he's going to be fine. Uh, it's going to take a while for him to get back going. And um, I, I didn't know uh, that whole being. Uh, he was actually medically paralyzed for 36 hours. And uh, that's what caused him to be able to make such great strides with his brain pressures is when they paralyzed him, his body completely rested. And so that's what caused him to be able to, um, to, be able to get to where he's at. But, but that whole thing comes at it's just going to take a while for him to get back uh, to where he needs to be. So we just need to keep praying and support him and... Um, and do everything we can to, uh, to, to see him back on his feet, doing what he, he does as a father and, and, a, and a husband, and, and eventually right back here uh, in this pulpit doing his thing. Amen? 
All right. So, all right. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse number 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had, rec uh, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest, it, uh, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you again for giving us this day. And thank you, Lord, for you know, giving me and the girls uh, a safe trip and, and blessing that trip like you did. Um, Lord, thank you for giving me another opportunity to preach and to be able to, uh, be able to give what was given to me and and Lord, be able to hand down what was handed to me. And uh, God, uh, may you raise up another generation unto yourself that loves you and that loves your word above everything. Lord, I pray to you bless this morning. And uh, God, that you use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, verse number 27 is the particular phrase uh, that I'm interested in. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By faith, uh, he forsook Egypt. Now, when we look at that phrase, by faith he forsook Egypt, I think it's important that we understand what Egypt actually is biblically. And we laid this out last week, but again, it is a really important thing for, to let the Bible define the Bible. And let, let's just find out exactly what the Bible says about Egypt, because when you, when you read that, you may not think much about it. You may not think, oh, well, Moses forsook Egypt. What, what kind of big deal was that? Well, look. I want you to look exactly what Moses forsook. Look at Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions, uh, excuse me, the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster, for I know their sorrow. So there's a sorrow in Egypt. Okay, uh, Exodus 6 and verse 7. I am the Lord and I will bring them out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you of their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm of great judgments. So there's, there's burdens and there's bondage in Egypt. Exodus chapter number 12 says that there's 400, if you go back and read Exodus 12, that there's 430 years of these burdens and of these bondages. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 3, remember this day in which he came out of Egypt. Now here it is. Out of the house of bondage. Now particularly, the Bible is addressing exactly what Egypt is. It is the house of bondage. And just so you, you, if you've got any more questions about that, Le Leviticus chapter 22 verse 30, 33, that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Okay, ready? I am the Lord. So, so here it is, God is bringing you and I out of the house of bondage. So, so he, says, he says in Exodus chapter number 13, plainly, that this place is the house of bondage. Exodus 6 uh, says that it, it's a place of burdens and it's a place of bondage. Exodus chapter number 3 says it's a place of sorrow. So very plainly, I think we understand, it has a real bad outlook on what Egypt actually is. That Egypt actually represents what you and I were in before we came to Jesus Christ. What were we in? We were in bondage. What were we in bondage to? We were in bondage to our sin. We were in bondage to our sin. And, and, and now I want to make sure you understand this. Uh, that, that when we came to Jesus Christ, he separated us unto himself. In Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse 23, he says it like this. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. He brought us out from thence. And where is that thence? That's Egypt. That he might bring us in. Bring us in where? Canaan. That he might bring us in the land which he promised. In Leviticus, he says that he brought us out of the land of Egypt. Why did he bring us out of the land of Egypt? 
to be our God. Now, now, sometimes the misconception is that I'm just to be brought out of Egypt, that I'm supposed to come out of my sin, that I'm supposed to be brought out of my bondage, I'm supposed to be brought out of the world, and, and then not brought into something else. And we've got a kind of a skewed vision of things sometimes, right? Sometimes we're all happy about being out of our bondage, but we're not real thrilled about being under the hand of our Lord. Like, it's a cool thing to be guided by Jesus Christ. It's a really cool thing. There's a lot of peace in knowing that the Lord Jesus is actually the Lord. And this is what God's trying to say. That God brought us out of the land of Egypt that he might bring us in. Now, I know there's a lot of people in this room that's forsook Egypt. We forsook the ways of the world. And it's interesting, the, phra the phraseology behind what Moses say, he forsook Egypt. We've forsaken the old ways of Egypt, the old ways of of the world. We, we've put off the old man. Ephesians says it like this that you put off concerning, concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is, the, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So we've completely abandoned the old man, and we've completely abandoned who we we've completely abandoned who we were in Egypt, where we went in Egypt, and what we've done in Egypt. But I want you to make sure you get something. Ten out of ten times, Egypt is always going to pull us back in if it can. Egypt is a picture of the world. Satan is uh, Pharaoh is a picture of Satan, and Egypt, the world, will always make a will always be pulling for your life, and Pharaoh, the devil, will always make a play for your life. It it'll never end. It'll never end until the day you die. Why? Well, because you're in the flesh. You're in a body of flesh and you are going to live in this body of flesh. And if you're not careful, you'll let the flesh play back into Egypt, the world, and play back into Pharaoh, the devil. I think sometimes, man, we got this misconception that we're just going to get better and it's all going to be better from here on out. And we don't got to do anything to make it any better. We, well, we're better. Here we go. We'll, we'll be fine. It don't work like that. Forsaken Egypt... One time is not the problem. It's forsaken Egypt every single day. It's making an it's making a a, a, a a driving a stake in the ground and making it plain that I'm forsaking Egypt every single day. You see, Jesus kind of made it plain for us. He said, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So whatever you treasure is what actually has your heart. And Moses made sure that Egypt didn't have his heart. Moses made sure that, that Egypt did not have his heart. Now, now, look, there's a lot of things that you could go back and you could throw a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shade to be thrown at Moses. Uh, Mo, Moses killed an Egyptian and then, and then was so stupid he buried him in sand. <laughs> I mean, look, if I'm going to kill an Egyptian, I'm not going to bury him in the sand, right? Y'all ain't never thought about burying nobody before? Man, y'all mean y'all all uh man, all the daddies in the room may need to rethink things. They have girls. Uh, I, I, <laughs> if I'm Moses, I'm, I'm not gonna kill the Egyptian and then bury him in the sand where we're just walking by and kicking the sand off the nose of the Egyptian. You know what I mean? Well, well, well my, there you go, there we go. All right, somebody with some girls in here. All right, praise the Lord. At least I'm not the only nut job in the house. There's a lot of shade to be thrown on Moses. He did some stupid stuff. But understand this, Moses' heart was not encapsulated by Egypt. You're going to do, do things that the Lord is going to chastise you for. But make no doubt about it, your heart cannot be Capsulated by Egypt. So how do you turn your back on the world and keep it there? How do you turn your back on Egypt and keep it there? How, how in the world do you turn your... Because the Bible's plain that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A man with two minds, a, a man that one, with one mind loves God and another mind he loves the world, that those two minds are always in contradiction one to the other. And so what happens is we've got to make a choice and we've got to make a choice that is going to affect eternity. We've got to make a choice... And it's going to affect tomorrow. We've got to make a choice. And it will affect today. 
So what was behind Moses' decision to forsake Egypt? Now, I want you to look at a, a real crucial verse, uh, Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Bible said, now faith is. So, so it, uh, interesting again, the Bible is defining what a word is in the Bible. He said, now faith is. It is this. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. <clears throat> that same word, evidence, when you cross-reference it out, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 4, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 17, it's translated as confidence in your Bible as well. So, so here, here it is. Faith is confidence in God. In the evidence of things not seen. Now, now I, I don't know about you, uh, but, but when I hear the evidence of things not seen, it don't always make sense to me. Well, why? Because I want to see the things that are supposed to be proof to me. And then, and, and then the, the Bible's plain, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For though we, here it is, we walk by faith. What is it? Not by sight. So this morning, I, I want to I give you these first three, and we'll just run over them real quick. How do I keep forsaking Egypt? One. I want you to look at principle number one. Forsaking Egypt is always a matter of confidence in God being stronger than the pull of this world's pleasures. Forsaking Egypt is always a matter of confidence in God being stronger than the pull of this world's pleasures. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but I put my foot in there for you. So, so, so there's a principle that we need to understand. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, so my faith, the Hebrews 11.1, 1, that is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, is built according to Romans 10 and verse number 17. So my faith is built literally on the word of God. Now here's, here's where me and you have to have to all come to the same playing field. If we're going to, if we're ever gonna, if we're ever gonna have our faith built according to the Bible, your faith, your confidence in God is going to come from the Word of God. Does that make sense? So, so my confidence doesn't come. Now, don't get me wrong. There is experiential evidence out here that increases my confidence. Amen. All right. So, so I went this weekend. Um, and, and, you know, we, me and the girls all had this last week, and, and I, I preached Monday night and Tuesday night. I know Sunday night and Monday night. Coat preached Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And then uh, Brandon Briscoe and Kenny Morgan preached Sunday, uh, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning. And they all did phenomenal. So, so I'm, I, I mean, they're, they, are, they are killing it. Well, Thankfully, my girls were there, and they got to get in on this thing. And, and I, 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 can, I, I can remember Code preaching on, and if you, if you have never heard Code, you need to go back and listen to Tuesday and Wednesday night. I mean, God used that dude in some miraculous ways. Uh, but I remember Code talking about proving all things. And he's, 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 taking, uh, he's taking the Bible, and he's, he's working through it, and just some amazing things that he pulled out of the Bible. But later, when we got home yesterday, I noticed some of the things that Code had implemented in his own life. The girls, you know what? They were like, you know what? Then will probably be some good things to implement in, my, in our life. And so they've got their stuff, like, like some of the stuff Code's got, the, the way Code does his stuff. Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. That's a huge faith builder for me. Why? Because the word of God was being preached and, and somebody heard it and then somebody now look, that's experiential evidence, right? You know why? You know what causes me to keep going? When I see stuff like that, I'm like, well, you know what? This ain't all in vain. You say, you, you, you say, well, well, it ain't the word of God. Well, it's an experiential side of things that I know faith is working in my home. Then I know the Word of God is, is working in my home. They're, they're, they, they got new notebooks and they're proud of it and they spent their own money on it. You say, well, that, you, you, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal to me. It's a big deal when you're trying to hand down what God handed you. 
It's a big deal when you're trying to hand down what Mark Trotter invested his life in me for. Right? It's, it's a big deal then. So, so we understand. All right, so faith does come by hearing, and it comes by hearing the Word of God. So I'll say this. If you and I are, are not in, if you and I are not in the Word of God, our faith can be built. It's an impossibility for our faith to be built outside of the common denominator being the Word of God. Look, look, this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible for me personally. I want you to look at it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, I think it's in your notes. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So without the faith from, elite, uh, from Hebrews 11 and verse 1, it's impossible to please God. So I can't please God without that faith. Does that make sense? Ain't that a crazy little deal? It's kind of scary for me. Why? Because well, I really want to please God. And then I end up doing stuff that I know is not pleasing to God. And then it's scary to why? Because I do stuff that is not by faith. I look at principle number two. Forsaking Egypt is a matter of having a fearless example in your life that's already did what you needed to do. Forsaking Egypt is a matter of having a fearless example in your life that's already did what you needed to do. Look, look verse 27, Hebrews 11. By faith, Mo, uh, by faith uh, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Now, verse number 23, this is, this is in reference to his parents, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Now, we're not all back through this, but this is when his... His parents uh, made a little boat and they pitched it within and without and they put him in the in amongst the bulrushes in the middle of the Nile River that was a crocodile-infested river. Now, why is that such a big deal? Well, because they were less fearful of the they were so they were so not fearful of the king's commandments that they trusted God. They trusted God with their child. In a place where they knew that harm was going to come to him or could have at least come to him. But what you've got to pull away from this is that his parents set up the example. His parents set up the example to follow in faith. Now, why is that such a big deal? Well, there ought to be parents, number one, there ought to be parents that set the example. Amen. Amen. There ought to be parents that set the example. Not only that, there ought to be there ought to be husbands that set the example for their wives. There ought to be wives that set the example for their husbands. There ought to be friends that set the example for their friends. Well, none of my friends serve the Lord. Well, you could be the first one. Well, none of my friends will forsake Egypt. Well, you could just be that, that first oddball that says, you know what, by faith I'm going to forsake Egypt. I, I mean, I can't imagine what it would have been like for Timothy if he hadn't had a Paul. I can't imagine what it had been like for Titus if he hadn't had a, had a Paul. I don't know what it had been like for Paul if he hadn't had a Barnabas. I don't know what it would have been like. You know, there's 12 disciples, and, and then there's three disciples, Peter, James, and John. And, and I don't know what it would have been like for Peter, James, and John. They got on the inside circle if they didn't have each other. And then if Peter and James didn't have John, the one in whom Jesus loved, Remember, it was John that's cast the Isle of Patmos that receives the revelation of Jesus Christ. What if there was no John? Man, it's crazy because Peter's the guy that, that, that got mad when everybody is accusing him. Jesus is taken. He's being scourged. Peter, and, and he gets around the fire in the inner courts there in that Roman, uh, around that uh, part of... Uh, it's just outside of the scourging place. He's standing around a fire warming his hands and there's a lady that, that says, hey, I know you, you were, you're one of those people that were with Jesus. You're one of those disciples. No, I'm, I'm not, that's not me. No, 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 I've seen you. No, that's not me. 
Then she does it a third time, and he denies him again. And the Bible says one time he even cussed. He cursed the woman and said, I don't know him. And we know what happens to rooster crows. He says, I go a fishing. And who does he take with him? Anybody know who he takes with him? He takes the disciples with him. They say, I also go a fishing. It's a really important thing for you and me to understand that, that we could be the example that everybody needs to see in forsaking Egypt. Amen. Number three, forsaking Egypt is a matter of refusing to be labeled something you're not. By faith, Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, Moses knew he wasn't an Egyptian. And he wasn't going to be labeled as one. He refused to be identified as an Egyptian. He refused to be identified as one of the Egyptians. Jesus knew in his heart he was not an Egyptian and he would not identify with the morality, with the standards, and the lifestyle of the Egyptians. So, so it, it, you know, it'd be a cool thing if someone just refuse to be labeled what the world's already trying to label you. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it's going to it's going down the tube as fast as it can go. <laughs> like, like it's on a steady stream. I think we can all agree. It don't matter what side of the political poles you're going to stand on. It's going down as fast as it can go. It's on fire, right? We're just waiting for it to get to the bottom of the hill and crash and explode. Right? It is a train wreck. So why don't we just decide? We're not going to be labeled what the world wants to label us. All right, so this is a new one. This is a new one. Number four, forsaking Egypt is a matter of taking the hard road for the sake of fellowship. Forsaking Egypt is a matter of taking the hard road for the sake of fellowship. Look at verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Now, it's interesting that this word, how the word here is used, choosing. What, what is he, what, what is, what's taking place is a choice is being made. And you can say it like this. Forsaken Egypt is not a matter of anything outside of making a choice. And thank God he's given us a choice. Amen. He has given us a choice to make. But it's interesting what, the, what his choice actually was. Look, look what the Bible says. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. Ready? What's that last word? Our last phrase. With the people of God. Now why is that such a big deal? Because forsaken Egypt sometimes is choosing the people of God. It's just choosing the people of God. Well, what happens if you choose the people of God? Well, there's a good chance you're going to suffer affliction. Why? Well, because for the most part, they're a bunch of weirdos. So, so you're, you're, you're saying that, that, that when I, I choose... I, I, I choose to leave Egypt, I'm going to have to choose the people. I'm, I'm saying you're going to choose the people of God. Yeah. Speaking of the people of God, I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know how much you've seen, but there's a, there's a real live war going on in, in Israel right now. And the enemies of God are, are against Israel. Hamas has rised up, uh, has, has, has risen up against, uh, against Israel, and they're doing everything they can to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. Now, we know that's not going to happen. But that's where we are right now. We're, uh, we're, with, we're, we're, we're at a place where the people of God are being, are being attacked. Psalm 84 and verse 10, For a day in, the, in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than the tents of the wickedness. Now, now, a couple of weeks ago, I know a lot of you ain't in here. Uh, a lot of you don't get, get to be in here, and I hope you go back and listen uh, on Wednesday nights. We've been working through some stuff in Philippians, but Philippians chapter number one has been by far one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite studies uh, because 
of what has happened in the heart of Paul. I, now, I don't know. Is Philippians 1 verse 3 on there, Charlie? Charlie? No? Okay. Uh, it, it, take, take phone, Bible, whatever. Flip, flip over Philippians 1 and verse number 3. Um, I kind of added this in a little bit later anyway. I want you to see this. Uh, Philippians 1 and, and verse number 3. I'll let you catch up and I'll start reading. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, for you all making, requ making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay, so, 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 so Paul in his heart is, is making request with joy in verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it on the day of Jesus, even as it is me for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace, for God is my record how, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now, we, we dealt with that bowels of Jesus Christ thing, and, and we don't have time to go back through that. Um, but it, it, Paul has got this inner longing uh, for this church in, in, in Philippi. Now, what, what's interesting is Paul is in prison when he's writing. This is a part of the prison epistle. He's in prison when he's writing this. And there, there's a phrase in here that you have to lift off the page. He said, for your fellowship in the gospel. For your fellowship in the gospel. Now, now why is this such a big deal? Well, because it goes back, same thing that, that Moses had in his heart. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. It's the same thing the Apostle Paul had in his heart. When he's locked up in a prison, he chose rather to suffer affliction. With the people of God. And guess what? Was happy about it. Why? Because he had fellowship in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's huge. That's huge for us. Why? Because, man we, we, man, we like to pick our friends based on what they like. And what we like uh, that we have in common with them. And, and then Jesus comes in here and he levels the whole playing field. And he says, all right, so, so here's what you fellowship around now. You don't fellowship around your common, your common hobbies. You don't fellowship around the, the people that you want that you want to fellowship around. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna put something between you two. What's it gonna be? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna put that thing, and that's what's gonna cinch you two together. That's what's gonna bring y'all together. And it's gonna be so deep. It's gonna be so deep that you're gonna be locked up in a prison cell in the bonds of your affliction, and you are going to long for that person. Why? Because your fellowship with them is not in something trivial it's in the gospel and it's interesting man that, that when you finally get to a place that you understand forsaking Egypt is a matter of taking the hard road for the sake of fellowship in the gospel that it changes the landscape it changes how you think it changes what's real and what ain't real. It changes what's ma what, what matters and what don't matter. It, it, it lets you know that sometimes hanging with the people of God is, is, a, tough, is a tough road to hoe. That sometimes, man, you're, you're, it's just, well, it's just going to be hard, right? Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution so the persecution is coming look, look, look at principle number five forsaking Egypt is a matter of forsaking your addiction to sin's pleasure forsaking your addiction to sin's pleasure look in verse number 25 
He says, then to enjoy, the latter part of that verse says, then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So, so, so the, the principle in verse 25, they, they chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Then to, you ready? All right, so I want you to get this. Then to be ostracized. From the people of God, you ready? To enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. How many of you understand that there's a lot of fellowship amongst believers that's broken when you and me, when me, you, when, when, when you and me separate ourselves for the sake of pleasures of sin for a season? So this is what this is what he's saying. I would rather. I would rather suffer affliction with the people of God than I had sever my relationship with my brothers and sisters or cause any harm to my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'd rather do that. I'd rather do that than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a sin. How many of you understand there's a whole lot of pleasure in sin? I mean a lot. I'll be the first one to tell you, man. There, there, there is more pleasure in sin when you're in it than you'll ever see goodness of God. When you're in sin, you'll never see the goodness. Of, it, 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 there is no comparison. Why? Because there's great pleasure in that sin. And the flesh don't want to see the goodness of God. The flesh don't want to see the grace of God. The flesh don't want to see the glory of God in your life. And so what it's going to tell you is, man, look, this you're fine here. The pleasures that you're feeling right now, these are pleasures to be enjoyed. And how many of you understand that it's only for a season? And so then for that, after that season's over, you've got a broken relationship. Like you've got all this stuff now that you've got to fix because, well, I, I enjoyed that for a little bit. You know, it's it's kind of like when you do something really stupid, and then you're, you're like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry." And you know you hate the "I'm sorry" part. You're like, "Man, that that's that's terrible. Why why did I do that to start with? Why did I go and do that to start with?" Now I've ruined I, I've ruined some stuff. I've I've caused people to want to side eye me now. Because I, I broke my relationship with the people of God for the pleasures of sin. Now we all know there, there's definitely uh, Galatians 5 in verse number 1, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the, spirit to me, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So before you get too high and mighty on, on the people that, that have severed their relationship, Make sure you find a, a mirror that's real clean. Because that joker staring in that mirror is exactly the one, the one that the Lord was talking about when he said, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We do a real good job at pointing, we, we do a really good job at hating everybody's sin, but our own. It pointing everybody else's sin out, but 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 our own. Uh, we we do a real good job at pointing out externals, but but in 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 ourselves, we're bitter, and we're angry, and we're hostile, and we've got all kinds of resentment set up inside us, and we're good at pointing everybody's external sin out. Why? Because you can see it. It's just easier. And 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 in your heart, you lay down at night, and there ain't no peace. You're trying to build relationships with people and you can't do that because there ain't no peace there. That you, You've come to the place where there's no peace in your life. Man, be careful. Be careful in the midst of pointing everybody else's sin out that you don't forget that God's called you to take a look in the mirror. I want you to look Galatians 5 and verse number 16. The antidote for this whole thing is, is found in Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. So it, it, it fights against the spirit, and the spirit it is fighting against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so they're opposing one another. So you cannot do the things that you would. So you, you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, strife, strife, seditions, heresy, envies, murders, revilings, and such like. Of the, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in times, in times, in times past, that they which do the, such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. James gives us a real good look into, into this whole idea of what, what happens when this when the, when the pleasures of sin get us. Now look, look at James 1 and, and, and verse number, is it on there, bro? James 1 and verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when, when lust hath conceived, so when, when lust, lust has gotten together with temptation. Everybody understand what gotten together means? Do I need to draw a diagram out? Has everybody got that? Yep. All right. A little anatomy lesson. If we need one, I don't know who you want to make the male, who you want to make the female, but lust and temptation get together and they have babies. Does that make sense? Everybody got that? How babies come in the world? Okay. Now, look, we can, I, can, I can embarrass everybody. I don't care. Like I'm perfectly fine with all that. I've always been really good at making things weird and uncomfortable without being weird and uncomfortable myself. So if you need me to do that, I can do it. So when, when temptation and lust get together, lust has babies. And these babies are called sin. It bringeth forth sin. And sin... When it is finished, this child that's brung into your life that's birthed by lust, look, look what the Bible says. When it's finished, when you've raised it all the way, bring forth death. When you've when when this thing is grown up and it's reached an age and, and it's become a mature a mature sin in your life. It brings forth death. Why is that such a big deal? Well, because sometimes it's physical death. So, sometimes it's physical death. Sometimes it's relational death, right? It's death to 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 all those relations, all those relationships in your life that you thought that you thought would be better than what they are. And make no mistake about it; it's still death. And part of you dying on the inside is a big deal. Where does all this start? Look in 2 Corinthians 10. I'm, I'm going to try to get to the last one real quick. 2 Corinthians 10, in, in uh, verse number 3, For though... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here it is, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is all starting in the mind. The war 
is starting in your mind and bringing into captivity every thought. So this war starts in your mind. This is, this is where lust, this is where lust, and this is where temptation meet in your mind and they conceive and they have babies and those babies bring forth death when they get of age. Okay. <clears throat> so the principle is forsaking Egypt is a matter of forsaking your addiction Sin's pleasure. Well, how do I do that? It's going to come at the expense of casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And then, and then at verse number 6, when it comes back, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So there's going to be a time when your obedience is fulfilled and then you're going to have to be ready to revenge all disobedience even after it's been fulfilled. Does that make sense? So there's going to come a time when all your, your obedience has been fulfilled. And you're like, man, I have obeyed the Lord. And then out of nowhere... You're going to have to revent. You're going to have to come against all the disobedience. You need to be ready to come against the disobedience that's going to try to rear its ugly head again. Why? Because it's going to happen. You're going to act like a fool again at some point. You're going to do something stupid. You've got to be ready. Why? Well, because imaginations and high things, they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, and we've got to bring every thought into captivity. Okay? Uh, number six, principle number six, forsaking Egypt is a matter of understanding. Christ is greater than anything Egypt had to offer. Christ is greater than anything Egypt had to offer. Look at verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Now, now let me, let me explain uh, that last part. Uh, for, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. So there was a recompense of the reward for the treasures in Egypt. But he esteemed Christ's riches greater than the treasures in Egypt. He could have had all of... Who, 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 who drew Moses out of that Nile River? Anybody remember? I bet the kids can remember. Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter drew Moses out of that Nile River. Moses had the chance to be the next in line. Moses was going to be the man. And, and he, he esteemed the reproach of Christ. Now, you, say, uh, you, you, you may say, how in the world... Did Moses know anything about the reproach of Christ? Well, I, I want to make sure that, that you understand this. Uh, the, 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 Moses, the writer is not saying that Moses was preaching the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's not what the writer is saying at all. Uh, the Bible's plain that that, that, that that was hid from ages and from generations according to Ephesians. Uh, that, that Christ in us, the hope of glory, that nobody knew it. Had they known that... that, that had they known that Jesus Christ was going to make us his home through dying and being buried and resurrected, they would have never killed him. That's what the Bible says. If they had known that Jesus was going to make the kingdom of God in you and me now, that he was going to come in us and he was going to dwell in us and he was going to be our God and we was going to be his people and he was going to walk in us, it, they would have never crucified him. Okay, that's what the Bible says. So we're, we're making it plain that Moses wasn't preaching that. That ain't what Moses was preaching. So, so what is? What is the reproach of Christ? Well, what the writer is saying is that the same reproach that fell on Christ, it fell on Moses. The same reproach that fell on Christ is the same reproach that fell on Moses. Well, what was, what was his recompense? 
What was his reward? What was the recompense of his reward? Now, the recompense of, of Christ's reward. You ready? It was God being glorified in the possession he paid for. The, all right, so the reproach that fell on Christ. Now, now get this. Track with me right here. The reproach that fell on Jesus Christ. He esteemed it better. Better than what? Better, better than a throne room. Do you hear what I'm saying? He esteemed the reproach that was going to be put on him. What was the reproach? Well, he was going to be crucified outside the camp. He was going to be crucified as a criminal outside of the camp. But through his crucifixion as a criminal outside of the camp, here, you know what happened? God is being glorified through purchasing of people. How, 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 how do you know that? Look at 1 Corinthians. Uh, Charlie, go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. So, so here we are. The temple of the Holy Ghost is now in us, which ye have of God, and you're not your own. So you're not your own. Why? Because you, you, have the, the, you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. For ye are, everybody say the next word with me. Not all at one time. Everybody say it one more time. Bought. Y'all have to wake up a little bit. Is it saying on the screen? Oh, that's why I was. Oh, well, you should know this verse by now. You you should know. You, you probably knew the verse. For ye are. Let's let's go one more time. Now you know the verse. Now you know the word. Bought. Okay. With a what? With a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now. What was the price? This is, this is a real big deal. Acts 20 and verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock which God hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath what? Starts with the... Charles. I know what's in there. I put it in there. I know them verses wasn't in there until this morning either. Just hit the next. Okay. Which he hath what? Here you go, Candace. Purchased. Which is the same thing as what? Bought. Okay. Which he what did he pay? What did he pay for it with? Now make sure you this. With his own blood. So he paid for the church with his own blood. Now, now this is what you got to remember. The reproach of Christ, he esteemed, Christ esteemed the reproach that was put on him, greater riches than the throne of God. Why? Because he purchased a people with his own blood. Look at Galatians 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So, so he, he released us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Why? Because every man is cursed and hung on a tree. Hebrews 9 verse number 12 says it like this, Neither by the blood of goats, but by his own blood, hath he entered, in, uh, hath he entered uh, in once into the holy place have, and having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, now, here's where we summarize the whole thing. The culmination of the whole thing takes place in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 19. For you and me, when you and me take our, take our stride into the atmosphere, into the holy place, and, and check it out. And they sung a new song. Help us, Lord. And they sung a new song. You got on a chart? Okay. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God 
by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. All right. There's going to be there's going to be a whole group of people that were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb from all four corners of this world. From all four corners of this world, they're going to, every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation, there's going to be people that were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And the Bible said that they're going to sing a new song. Now, that song is going to be sang to none other than God Himself. Now, all of this culminates to this one thing. You ready? All of this, all of this Revelation 5 culminates to this one thing. That, that Christ esteemed the reproach that was put on Him greater riches than the treasures from Mark chapter number 4 in Egypt. When Satan took him up into a high mountain, he said, you can have all of this if you'll bow down to me. Now here's where you and me got to get to. Do you understand that the reproach of Christ? Do you esteem the reproach of Christ? Greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. Man, it seems like the... I don't have time to get through the rest of this. You can play that thing if you want. Man, it seems like the older I get, the more I figure out that... that people matter way more than anything else does. That, man, my relationship with people... My, my, you know, that money don't matter no more. You got all these kids you're trying to raise and, 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 and you're trying to raise kids that, that love Jesus Christ more than they love anything else on this planet. But that comes at the expense of me esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. You see, it comes, it, 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 here, here's, here's what Moses could have had all of it. Moses was going to be the man. And he said, you know what? I'm going to have to trust God to take care of me. And so what does God do? God uses Moses to lead those people some years later out of, the, out of, out of Egypt through, for the, through the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now here's, here's something you can kind of did I kick that while ago and turn it off? No, sorry. Man, this happens sometimes, you know. Now here, here's I want you, I want you to listen right here. You can, you can write this down. If, if put it down, write it in your phone, put it somewhere. First Corinthians ten says that Exodus. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. You know what? They were all written for us. What were they written for? Go, go, look, go read 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And you're going to figure out that, that there's more column inches given to the Exodus... And them coming into Canaan than any other subject in the entire Bible. There's more written about the Exodus than there is about Jesus Christ. Why is that such a big deal? Well, 1 Corinthians 10 says all of that were, they were examples for our learning. And they were in samples for our admonition. So all of that that happened to, to them is a real good learning process for us. It's, it's, what was it? To not lust after evil things. Neither, ye, neither be ye idolaters. Neither be ye fornicators. 
as some of them were and fell in the wilderness. I, I, I don't remember. Four and 20,000, I think, somewhere. So there's a whole lot of people that died in the wilderness because, because they didn't esteem the riches. The, they didn't esteem Christ's reproach greater riches than the treasures that went in, in Egypt. As a matter of fact, they wasn't even out of Egypt the whole day and they were asking Moses to go back. They'd rather eat garlic and onions in Egypt as they had come back, as they had trust God by faith for God to provide for them. You know, that's kind of like some of us. We'd rather eat garlic and onions. We'd rather eat the things in Egypt because we know they're there than to have to trust God for things we ain't yet seen. It's a crazy deal, man. Man. Being raised to only believe what you see. Faith can be hard. Faith can be hard, but you're going to have to forsake Egypt by faith. If you're going to do it, it's going to have to be by faith. Well, what if it's, is it going to be terrible? Probably. Hardest thing I ever done was forsake Egypt. Man, all my buddies, dude, they thought I'd lost my mind. And I had lost my mind. It was a, it was a weird thing. Nobody likes to do going to play. Nobody likes to do it at the card table that talk on Wednesday night after church that's talking about the sermon that he just heard at church. Nobody likes that dude. I always come in I, I, for probably six months after I got saved. I go play cards every Wednesday night. I'd roll up that card table. And, and they'd be like, Rides, where you been? I said, man, I've been to church. Man, you wouldn't believe what that preacher preached. And I just didn't know no better. And it all get quiet. And everybody just sitting there. And they're just, I'm like, man, what is wrong with y'all? Well, here, here's what happened. I was walking up in the middle of Egypt, didn't even know it. And just talking about all the things going on in, in the church house. I do that now. I invite, I invite all kinds of people. I invite people over my house. I invite lost people in my house. I invite people that, that just cuss like sailors over my house. So why would you do that? Sometimes you just don't know no better. You're like, uh, whatever. Me, me and old Daniel was getting the opportunity to talk to some people and and, and, and be a witness to some people and, and you know I'm just waiting for the door to open the door, one of the doors opened last week and, and I went from I went from from, uh, from being being somewhat serious about what I was doing to I've sat down on the bench I'm talking to this dude I don't care nothing about what else is going on in the world now it ain't as hard as we make it Sometimes we overcomplicate all of it. Just, just follow the Lord. Just follow God. Just by faith. Well, how hard is it going to be? It's going to be hard enough, but if you'll follow the Lord, it'll be pleasing enough to where it won't matter. You'll be like, all right, I sleep pretty good tonight. I did what I was supposed to do, and now let's see what happens. Maybe you're struggling, and you can't forsake that whole Egypt thing. You're just, man, you, you're just, you just can't get Egypt out of your peripherals. And it's just all the time in your faith. Man, it would be a cool thing if you just take a minute, right? You sit right where you are. Lord, what are you trying to show me this morning? What do you want to show me about me? Because if you'll look in the mirror of God's Word, it'll show you exactly who you are. Now, you may not want to see it. Sometimes it's a little scary because the Bible says that, that, that it's one of them things. You see everything about yourself when you look in the mirror of God's Word. Let's take a second. Maybe just bow your head where you're at. And that's where you are. You're like, man, I, I, I'm at a place I just, I just don't know. I, I'm not, I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to get Egypt out of my sight. Man, would you just call? Would you just take a minute and call the Lord? Some of you, you're not careful. You're going to get involved in some secret sin. 
that you're hiding that nobody seemingly nobody knows about and it's going to pop out one day and when it does it's going to explode and get all over everybody in the process you're looking at things you're doing things you're being with people that you know you ought not be with that you are being sinful with man come on man maybe there's some teenagers in this room and it'd be really it'd be really cool if they had some other people that could be like the examples that Moses' parents was. And they could be fearless in following the Lord. And you could be that fearless one that they could follow. You could be the next one they follow in, 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 in discipleship. You could be the next one they follow in the stages of spiritual growth. You could be the next one. But you're going to, have to make a decision today pray for you Lord Lord today uh, first of all we want to thank you we want to thank you for all that you are all that you have been doing in this church um, Lord just man thank you for being good to us thank you for being faithful Lord you've been way better to us than we deserve and, and God we cannot go a day we shouldn't go a day without acknowledging it. Lord, I got to complaining about how busy I was the other day, and then I realized that God, all those opportunities were, were a lot of things you put in my way. For me to try to be a blessing to somebody else and to give what give what you've given me. And so, Lord, I you know, I had to find a place to to repent and apologize and make that right and just say thank you Lord and, and, and move on Lord help us to see every place that you've given us as an opportunity to do something new God our desire to forsake Egypt is going to come at the expense of esteeming you greater than, than this world's treasures Lord I pray to you, you help us I pray God that you give us strength Lord, I pray for Tori and Dylan. I pray, God, that you bless them, use them in Jesus' name.